Welcome to the Redeemer Coast podcast. Our prayer is that this message will inspire hope, build your faith, and encourage you with God's purposes for your life. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the life that is in that word. Thank you for the promises that is in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. We can trust your word to manifest itself in our lives, particularly in these dark days as the journey of the church comes to its final conclusion. We thank you, Lord, you oversee us. You oversee the church that is on the earth. We thank you, Lord, that we do indeed have a risen Saviour. He's alive and well. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the holy angels here on earth. We thank you, Father, for the, the, um, the life that is available to us through your word. We thank you, Lord, for faith in the hearts of people today, responding to what you have to comfort us with, correct us with, encourage us with, empower us with. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, the title of my message this morning is Our Father in Heaven. And there's a prayer that Jesus introduced, and, uh, which is found in Matthew chapter 6. And I'll read it to you, just the verses from 7 to 13. And Jesus talked about how we pray and really, it's just a basic introduction to our prayer life. It's, it's not the be-all and end-all. It's like the first lesson on prayer, <laughs> which is what we need to cover. In, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. We're not out, when we pray, we're not out to impress anyone. We're out to open our hearts. And we're out to be honest with God you can't hide anything from God I can't hide anything from God he knows everything about me he knows my weaknesses he knows my strengths he knows your weaknesses he knows your strengths there's nowhere to hide Adam tried that it did how'd that work out for him it didn't work out at all did it he was so insecure he was so hidden from God he was so not trusting God he was so ashamed of himself that he couldn't approach God but Jesus said hey listen when you pray you start your prayer with our father isn't that interesting? Our Father, not Almighty God, not Creator, not our Saviour, but our Father. And acknowledges where our Father is. He's not here, he's in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven. So he said, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how did Jesus say to pray? To bring what's in heaven down to earth. Um, You know, there's no flu season in heaven. They're not all at the doctors lining up for their shots. 
And, and then we can use that to mistakenly put pressure on people here on earth not to have flu shots or not to go to doctors. But here's the thing about heaven and earth. Heaven is not fallen, earth is. There's no human vessels in heaven struggling with life's journey, but here on earth there is. The seed of the righteous will face troubles just like the unrighteous face. And so we have to acknowledge that, there's, that heaven and earth are different places, but what is good in heaven can come to earth. That doesn't mean we just throw out everything on earth that benefits us, because the, the one thing we need to understand is that Jesus Christ... Let me just check my watch before we go. <laughs> Allow myself half an hour. Jesus Christ was appointed by his Father to be the high priest to the believer because he understands for one reason and for one reason alone, he understands our humanity. He understands what it's like to be human and he understands that the greatest faith preacher in the world and the greatest person of faith is still subject to human weakness. And when we pretend otherwise, it's called, it's what, we like, what I like to call and what we should call it for what it is, it's hypocrisy. We're not being real. We're not facing the day understanding that we walk into a world that has fallen, that we ourselves struggle within ourselves. The Bible says we, we struggle so much so that we're waiting to be clothed with flesh from on high, the redemption of our bodies. So between that time and this time, where to approach our Heavenly Father and pray out these things that God would have established on the earth. You want a healthy body? You want your finances established? We've got to find this in the Word and pray it out so that we can be the strong people that Jesus has already declared us to be, already paid the price for us to be that person, but it just doesn't come waltzing into your world. You're going to have to fight for it. And that's what Paul said to Timothy, lay hold, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life. Wouldn't it be great if we just came to Jesus and suddenly everything was wonderful? And everyone around us said, how come those Christians, they never have any problems? The world will get saved like that. But we face the same struggles, we face the same crisis. We, we have to journey this along with everybody else. You know, we're not immune from this stuff. And I remember Paul, when he was stoned almost to death, got up, went back into the city and then started preaching Christ. And the next city he went to, he said these words, we must through many adversities enter the kingdom of God. So what holds us through in this journey? It's faith. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the, Jesus saying this is the cry of basic prayer. Lead us. Feed us. Deliver us. Protect us. Who are we talking to? We're talking to our Father. Who isn't here, by the way, he's in heaven. But he hears us. Let me carry on. I came across a scripture that I didn't read in context, but I will read it in context, because it, it sort of 
Our relationship with our Father is really, um, we read it and we see it in Scripture virtually to address God as our Father. He is now our Father. And so, oh, Heavenly Father, we've come close to the Father. The Father sent the Son, the Father this, the Father that. But how does he look at a Father's role from his perspective, you know? And so I came to this Scripture which says, uh, I will be a Father to you, and you shall be my sons, or you shall be sons and daughters to me. That's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, through to chapter 7, verse 1. So, I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. And I thought, what does that look like? I know how God is my father from my side of the fence, but what's a father from his side of the fence? How does God see his role from his side of the fence? And, um, and then I had to go in and look at this in context and I thought, hmm, there's a bit of a slap right here uh, that I wasn't expecting and uh, let me just read this to you and, and I won't read all of the passage of scripture but I will start in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, or that word restricted means you are not in a narrow place because of us. O Corinthians, you are not restricted in a narrow place by us, but you are restricted and in a narrow place by your own affections. See? So you're wherever you are because of what your affections have tied you to. And then he goes on to say in... Uh, verse 17 therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them says the lord and touch this is talking to the church by the way this is not old testament this is for us go out from their midst be separate from them says the lord touch no unclean thing then i will welcome you treat you with favor and i will be a father to you that's interesting and you shall be my sons and daughters says the almighty Since we have these promises, beloved, what's this? What's this promise? The promise is that as we separate ourselves, God will father us. Does that mean he won't father us if we don't? It doesn't mean that at all. It means he can't. Because we ain't open. We're tied to our affections. But God says as you separate yourself, you open the door for me to father you, to be that father. I was talking to a guy who's a, a plumber and I just watched a video about uh, the planting originally of, of Hillsong Church in Brisbane and there was a video presentation of how that church actually started and it started as a little Sunday school, children's ministry and it started under, under the roof of, uh, under the floorboards rather of an old Queenslander and they used to bring these children in and minister to them and then that started to grow and And as it grew, they said it was just so easy for people to get saved and the ministry grew and developed and they went into a building and then they had to get into another building so they approached the bank and the bank said, no, we can't loan you. So they looked to the congregation to uh, raise the money to build a larger auditorium. And I was talking to my friend about this 
And he said, you know, he said, that's the church we grew up in. He said, my dad was one of the drivers who used to pick up the kids in the back of a ute. They used to just go around the suburbs, pick up these children in the back of a ute, bring them to children's church. And he said, my brother had just brought a um, brand new BMX bike. He said it was the only one of its kind in the country. He was a very good rider. He was a competitive rider. He said it was just precious to him and he'd only just gotten it. And when, they, when the call went out to uh, raise funds, sacrificial giving for the building of this church, Garnet, his name is, felt in his heart as a young, just a young boy that he wanted to sell his bike and give the money to the building fund. And so he told his dad, he said, Dad, I, I, I just feel like that's what I want to do and um, so I need a buyer. Well, he couldn't find a buyer. Anyway, a few days later, his dad came up and said, I've got a buyer, son. He said, I know a couple, they want that bike. Um, so he got the money. He, the son was able to um, contribute to the building fund and, and sowed that seed. And it wasn't insignificant. It was a big seed for a young kid. It was his heart's treasure. And years on, he found out that the buyer of the bike was his dad. And his dad had bought this bike his dad and his mum, and put it up in the roof of the house where he couldn't find it and just left it there. And on Garnet's 50th birthday, his dad had gotten, the, and this was only a couple of years ago, his dad and, and the, the brother of Garnet was telling me this and he was just tearing up as he was telling me. And uh, he said that um, on his 50th birthday, his dad brought the bike down, had it fully restored, completely in brand new condition. All the stickers, everything, he searched high and low to get it back to its original form and presented it to his son on his birthday. And you can just imagine the family tears and that, but now you see this 52-year-old man every now and then just run, rolling down the street on his little BMX bike. Just, you know. And I thought, that was fathering. That was... That was his dad fathering the son, not making it easy for him, but helping him, protecting him, making sure that there was a buyer for that boy. It was, you know, when Jesus was born, you know, who believed for the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh? It just came from who? It came from the father. And that, and, and it, that was worth a lot of money and kept that family as that boy was growing up, our saviour. And I just think it's a beautiful illustration, but sometimes God is our Father. He initiates things that we don't even understand, that we, don't, we just don't, until years later, comprehend the care and the nurture that God in heaven has over each of our lives as we separate ourselves from that which used to contain us but now contaminates us. As we pull aside, God, God has said... having these promises. So we're not going to lose out by separating ourselves from that which used to contain us. You, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. We talk about, there's a, there's a big thing in the church now about do we need to confess our sins and that. But, you know, if you're on a football field and you step out of bounds, you've got to acknowledge it. You can't just pretend it never happened. You're out of bounds. And, and it's the same... It's the same with our Father. If we, step out of, if we step out of bounds, what do we do? We just go, my bad. You own it. Who does that help? Does, does that make you any more forgiven or less forgiven? No, but it helps you. It helps you get back under the Father's care 
instead of just rolling on as if nothing, there's no problem, everything's forgiven. No, you, there's an issue here. There's an issue here. Own it. And then move on. The Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 10 how by one offering, just by one offering, you know, the, the priests and that, they daily had to bring offerings, daily had to confess sins, daily, daily, daily. But by one offering, he perfected us forever. So future sins are taken care of. They still need to be acknowledged and addressed so you can move on with your life, so you can open your heart up, so you're not hiding in the bushes with Adam. So God's not hunting out going, where are you, Colin? My daughter, Matilda, when she was a little girl, wouldn't matter where she was in the house, she'd never tell you where she was in the house. You'd just call out, Matilda, where are you? And you just hear this little voice going, I'm here. But you still didn't know where she was. You just knew she was here somewhere in one of these rooms. She was so cute. I'm here. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the father's role in our life is, is it also brings correction. Like the Bible talks about how the father brings us correction. And fathers need to, they need to have a father's voice. And I remember my oldest daughter, Eliza, when she was at uni, faced a few difficult challenges at university. And a couple of times, I just had to speak to her as her father. And, and she heard me. And she honoured me and respected me. Because universities, it's, it's a tough gig. Emotionally, it's a tough gig for your faith. It's just, it's just a tough gig. Uh, for young people whose minds and opinions are still being shaped and formed, that sometimes they just need help seeing that path. And, and, you know, it is a father's role to help, to help people see. But if, if, if the child has just cut themselves off, you can't father them. If they don't want to hear you, you can't father them. We don't want to hear from God, we just want to go our merry way. How on earth is he going to father us? But we have these promises that he will father us. He will help us. If we separate ourselves from that which did contain us. The Bible talks about we're in the world but not of it. doesn't mean we're in the world but not of it. We're supposed to be light wherever we go, not compromise. We're supposed to be the voice of uprightness, not leaning over and falling over and wandering over, struggling over. We're, su we're supposed to be upright. They're supposed to see, the world is supposed to see that these people won't break, won't bend, that are strong in their faith, that believe in God, that are fathered by God. This is, this is our heritage. And I know sometimes the world does pull, the secular does pull, it does pull you, but at the back of what I'm saying is a promise of God that if we don't bend, that if we don't break, if we stay separate, then we have a father behind us and we're open to his influence and he cares for us and he'll take our push bike and put it up there in the rafter till the right time and come out one day and just blow you our way with his goodness, knowing that all this was for a purpose and you kept yourself and he'll honour you for that. It's easy to fold in this world. I'm telling you, it's easy. It's the easiest thing in the world. The hardest thing in the world is to walk with your head held high. And the Bible talks about he is the lifter of our head. 
He is the lifter of our head. It's not so much like we um, feel our Heavenly Father, we faith Him. <laughs> How bizarre is that? <laughs> we, we drove up this morning and Liza was sitting in the car with her mum and her dad, her earthly father. There I was, in the car. Where's my Heavenly Father? Well, I can't see Him anywhere. Well, He's in heaven. But he still wants to influence our journey and influence our life for goodness. And Jesus said, you need to talk to him. Don't be talking to me. He said, basically, he, he said, you know, the Father loves you because you receive me. He himself, he loves you. God loves you. And you'll, there'll come a day you'll no longer be asking me things. You'll be asking him because he loves you, because you've accepted me. And so Jesus opens our prayer dialogue towards our Father. And Jesus, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his son. The son was just obedient to the father. To our father. And he had a wonderful relationship with his father. And he said things like, I only do the things that please him. I only do the things he tells me to do. Well, what if he hasn't told you? Well, you're, you're sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I used to race outrigger canoes in Western Australia and um, I woke up one morning and I was, I was reading a, a Christian leader's book and he was, it was a guy I acknowledge and if I mentioned his name you, you'd all know him but he said in this book, he said, God often brings pain in our life to discipline us and I thought, God, that doesn't sound right. And that morning I had an outrigger canoe race and... Um, it was a hot day, it was about 35 degrees or 36 degrees, it was a 15 kilometre race and I forgot to take water and I was the captain of the boat so I did all the talking and, um, and we got off to a bad start so I was no longer talking, I was yelling. <laughs> and when we came into the beach, I just had this episode where I just couldn't think. I was just hot, overheated and I had what, I later learned it was a migraine episode and I didn't know anybody's name. I was just, I couldn't put my hands in my pocket. I was just all fumbly and we went to the local small hospital in the region where we were racing and the guy just looked at me and said, you've had a stroke, stroke. You need to stay overnight. And I thought, I don't want to stay in this little place. You know, I, I need to go somewhere. I said, if you think that's fine, that's, that's okay, we'll stay, but... He said, oh, okay, I'll send you off to Bunbury. And in, in Bunbury, you know, just imagine I'm still in all my competitive clothes. I'm covered in sand. I've got my wife and my three, two little girls at that time. And it was, uh, it was quite an emotional time for us. And I was placed in this ward and kept overnight. And every hour on the hour, wake up, Mr Doherty. They look in my eyes, take my blood pressure. And I'm wondering what's going on and in the morning the neurosurgeon came to see me and he said, he said, I think you've had a migraine, a form of migraine. I thought, well, I've never heard of that before. So um, off I, Catherine picked me up in the morning, we went back to the caravan park where I was staying and in all that time I felt nothing of God, nothing of his presence. I struggled to hold on to one scripture I can't even remember what that was. And, and I remember going back to the caravan 
getting a towel, I was off to the bathroom to have a shower because I was just so sandy and smelly and, and just these words came to me, just these words. And, and I'll read them to you, they're out of the 91st Psalm. Just came and flooded over me, I didn't invite them, it wasn't a memory, it was just, like they just came to me. Um, keep your emotions together. <laughs> because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With a long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I just broke. Why? Because he was there. He was fathering me right there. I could have listened to that book and that leader and thought this is the discipline of God. But I just knew better, you know. And I have a father who knows better. And I have a father who prods me in the right direction for my, for my benefit, for my good. Let me lengthen the story a little bit. After I got back to Perth, I had to go to a neurologist and have an MRI who checked my brain. Found it was still there. Isn't that exciting? And he said, your, brain, your blood vessels are those of a young man. And I thought, oh, how exciting. Couldn't wait to get home and tell Catherine. And I said, Catherine, and, and the doctor's name was Dr. Goodhart. I remember his name. I said, Dr. Goodhart said I had the blood vessels of a young man in my brain. And she looked at me and she said, that's because you never use it. You're always using my brain. She said, in future, use your own brain. <laughs> so, happy days. But... <laughs> I, I, that's just one story. I've got other stories. But God is our Father and it doesn't matter what you face in life and what crisis you come, something good is going to come from behind. Because why? Because we have these promises. If we will separate ourselves, he will honour us and he will father us and he will feed us and he will protect us. He will deliver us. He will forgive us. That's our Heavenly Father. That's our father. Jesus is our brother. And anything else, he is outside of that. It was appointed to him by his father. His father gave him the name that is above every name that is named. His father made him king of kings and lord of lords. His father raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. His father. Jesus never appointed himself for anything other than to be you and my brother. So whatever authority he has, head of the church, was delegated to him by his father. My time is flying along. <laughs> I'll just give you one other thought, I think. Um, I, I sometimes look at it's, it's great to hear the little things and next time I come I think I'll be talking about the little things in life. It's, it's great to understand but there's a, there's a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 and it starts in verse 15 but I'll read it from verse 17 in Ephesians chapter 1. It talks about that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's interesting. To what end? 
Why does he want to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Who? Who wants to give us that? The Father of glory, our heavenly Father. He wants us to see some things. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints? Calling, inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? Toward us. Not just power. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Impress us, Lord, with your power. But what is that power that is facing us from our Father? That he would have us know. Because otherwise we live too small. We have smaller expectation. But God says, I want you to see a bigger thing. What power are you talking about? How does it look? Well, it looks like this. He worked this power in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He took his mortal body, the body that was dead, and put his power into that body and raised that mortal dead body up. And as he raised it up, that dead body became immortal. It's the only immortal body that's around right now. Everyone else dies. Lazarus went to the grave eventually. But Jesus will never go to the grave. What power is facing us? That power. What power is available to us? That power. What power will raise our mortal bodies in the future? That power. That power that he wants us to see, know, understand. That's bizarre. Because I don't see it a lot, to be honest. But he wants me to see it and he wants you to see it. He wants us to see our inheritance. He wants us to see our calling. As a father, our father, thy will be done on earth, see? That's in heaven and he wants this thing established on this earth that we can be the people that he's called us to be. This is top shelf. This is up there. This is not the little things. This is the big stuff. And I want to know if, if, if during adversity and whatever we face in life, there's something far greater available pushing from behind, from out of our Father's place in heaven into our world and into our dimension for our behalf and for our benefit and it will speak. And what's our part? Our part is to do what he said to do and keep our, keep our nose clean. Not to live a life of compromise and secularism and that. Just, just look around the world. It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. And what are they trying to heal the world with? The intellect. But the Bible talks about that our faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but it rather in the power of God. Let me just close. 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, reading in verse 3 to 5. I probably haven't finished what I want to talk about then, but that's all right. We'll just close here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy... Liza, if you'd like to come and get yourself ready, please, love. ...has begotten us again 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept or guarded by the power of God for salvation already... Hang on. Who are kept or guarded by the power of God through faith. Sorry about that, I missed the most important two words there. Through faith. How does this thing work? It works by faith. I don't see no heavenly father. Yeah, but we faith him. I don't see him fathering my life. Yeah, but we faith him. I don't see how he's benefiting me if I stay within the boundaries. Yeah, but we faith him. His job is to father us. Our job is to let him. And it's for our benefit. It's, you know, it's not for his benefit, it's for our benefit. So when we look at him, yes, there is from our side of the fence to him, but there's also from his side of the fence to us. And this is where we come into trust. And this is where we come into faith. And this is where we, we step past our doctrinal differences and understand there is a God who created us who knows our makeup better than anyone. If we will just be honest with him and if we will just be the human people that we are that he knows that we are that he's taken care of our humanity in that he has a whisperer in his right ear and his name is Jesus and he whispers him based on your humanity and what it's like living on this fallen earth and the things that we face and the the obstacles that we overcome and we do overcome them many of the afflictions of the righteous not without any but many with a long life i will satisfy them he doesn't say with a short life i will disappoint you <laughs> this talks about satisfaction and so when the intentions of god's heart are always good always for our benefit he's not trying to control us for his benefit He's trying to release us into our potential. And if we would just shrink our borders to where he is, he will open them up again to enhance our lives far beyond our own expectation. Just before Eliza starts, just allow these words. Let's, why don't we just close our eyes and let the Father minister to us because this morning it's about him, but he wants it to be about us. Richard in heaven. 
Father, we just want to acknowledge that you, you're our Father, and that you want to father us, and want our hearts open and clean. And I pray that just at this time of ministry that we can make those adjustments we need to, whether small or large, right now, in your presence the presence of the Holy Spirit, the angels of God, that our Father in heaven, you have our hearts. And whether you've corrected us today or encouraged us or done everything, 
we just acknowledge it was your love that sent the Son. It was your love for us and the value you placed on us. And we thank you, Lord, that when we open our mouths to speak to you, you would have us speak to you as our Father. We thank you for the opportunity, Father, to hear your voice this morning. And may everyone go home upright, sober, adjusted, impacted and secure in the Father's heart and love for his people. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We trust that you've been encouraged by the message. Please consider leaving a review and subscribing to receive new content. For more information about Redeemer Coast, visit www.redeemercoast.com or find us on social media where our handles are at Redeemer Coast. Until next time.